There are people who are just waiting to be asked, waiting for someone to notice them, to see them, to care about them. Um, there are people who are incredible Christians. They'll become our, our partners in our neighborhood. There are others who don't know God, don't want to know God. There are people of all faiths, no faiths, all churches, no churches, just waiting to be seen. Amy Lively is with us today on Focus on the Family, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller. Okay, so here's the question. How well do you know your neighbors? How well do I know my neighbors? (laughs) Well, some I know very well and I talk to frequently, and there are a couple of people in the neighborhood I've never met, and they've been there for three, four, five years. Yeah, okay, that's probably the same. You know, people that you you say, I think I know you, but I've never talked to them. Yeah, and it's always, I have found those encounters to always be pretty good. You know, your neighbors are right next door. We live in a neighborhood with uh, more elderly folks, and uh, it's been wonderful to see Trent and Troy engage a couple of the neighbors to help them with their garbage, and that's been a, a good experience. It's just cracking the ice and, and just starting the conversation that's hard, it right? Is. I mean, and we want to talk today about how we do that. You know, that scripture, there's several scriptures that point us in this direction. Matthew is a favorite, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. And then uh, also this, love your neighbor as yourself. And so many times we're asking, what exactly is that? I mean, love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to talk about how to love your neighbor today in a way that, you know, just could transform them. Mm. And as I said, Amy Lively is our guest, and she's had some firsthand experience with this. Uh, She launched something called the Rosewood Cafe, which was a neighborhood Bible study group in Lancaster, Ohio. And she shares that story and some great insights about the topic in uh, her book, How to Love Your Neighbor, Without being weird. (laughs) (laughs) Amy, welcome to Focus. Thank you very much for having me. That's probably a good place to start. How do you do that without being weird? What does weird look like? Weird, to me, looks like an agenda. Weird, to me, looks like you're going to your neighbor for the purpose of checking it off of your Christian to-do list. You know, love my neighbor today. Check. Did that. Mm. Um, Going to them with an agenda of... um, making them stop their wild party or take their trash in or fix up their house or shut up their dog or um, anything else that you find personally offensive. Um, <laughs> take their trash in, yes, not take their trash out. Right, yeah. That's what yeah. we like to do for our yeah. neighbors. We'll offer to help take their garbage out it's to a, the curb. It's a great way to serve your neighbors. <laughs> I never thought about yeah. helping take it in. Weird is going to them to... Um, with the sole purpose of converting them to think like you, look like you, worship like you, instead of going to them for their sake and to know them and to care about them and to learn about them and to become involved in their daily rhythm, rhythms of life. What is it in the human personality that, that drives us toward the differences? You know, I don't like my neighbor because, and you can fill in the blank, whatever it might be, but at the core, what are we struggling with when we say that to ourselves? Fear. I think fear. Um, fear of people who are different, people who think differently, look differently, vote differently, have different signs in their yard, different songs on their on their radio. When we can point out how they're different, it elevates us. Um, I think we sometimes think different is worse. And with your book, How to Love Your Neighbor uh, Without Being Weird, what gave you the idea to more systematically go about doing it, um, that you you felt a need 
to begin to reach out to your neighbor. What started that spark? The book came really out of my own failures to love my neighbors, for one thing. Yeah, not always a good neighbor. It wasn't even a good Christian, you know, let alone a good neighbor loving the people God put around me. Let me let me press you a bit because describe one of those examples where you were being a poor neighbor because I'm sure we'll all be able to connect with it. Well, you know, being a poor neighbor doesn't necessarily mean that you've gone out and done something bad. It doesn't mean that you have been offensive or rude or hurtful or weird, you know, to your neighbors. Being a bad neighbor is just um, being disconnected. It is not being involved in people's lives. It is not knowing their names, not knowing their pains, not knowing their joys, not knowing what lights them up and what keeps them up at night. It's it's not being a part of your neighbor's lives. You don't have to do something to be a bad neighbor. You do nothing to be a, to be a bad neighbor. So God planted this in your heart to say, okay, start doing it differently. Yeah. Um, were you afraid? Absolutely. I was terrified. Um, first, I was excited. When I first got the idea, I was very, very excited. And what um, was the idea? The idea was three little words that just as soon as I heard them, like my heart started this little pitter-patter and, 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 and ideas just started to flow. And it was neighborhood Bible study. When I heard those three words for the first time, I, that is it. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going to do, and I I knew what I was going to call it immediately. I knew what a little. I would draw a little logo. I knew what I was going to say on the invitation. Just really kind of like a, a download of hey, this is what you can do. I was so excited, uh, but then when kind of the reality set in of having to leave the comfort of my living room, get off my couch, go actually do something, lift my hand to knock on a door and face a person on the other side I had never seen before, you know, that became very scary. I really liked the idea of loving my neighbors more than the reality of going out and, and getting to know them. And so I struggled with it for probably about eight months from the idea and the excitement to the actual doing of it. And and did you hit that head on to say, okay, I'm going to start a neighborhood Bible study? Is that how you knocked on the door and said, hey, neighbor, I'm going to start this Bible study. Would you like to come? Now that'd be a little weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a little Very weird. straightforward. It was my first idea and it was the end result, but is there were steps in between that. Um, as I did start to think about it, and part of the part of what I did during that eight months was as I was struggling and arguing with God about why this was such a terrible thing for me to do, um, but it did start to come into focus, and I realized that would be a little bit weird. But would not be weird was just to invite people over for coffee, just at my kitchen table, just women sitting around talking. It's what we love to do. And my particular focus was on women, but this obviously works for, for women and men and families. Um, so instead of inviting them to a neighborhood Bible study, I invited them to an open house, just a time to come over, get to know me, get to know our other neighbors, um, just coffee, cookies, conversation. So pretty light. Very light, yes. You talked in the book about your fears and the excuses that you made, and you've touched on a couple, but um, be more specific for us. What were some of those fears that I think as we think about how we can apply this in our own neighborhood, those same fears will be present, and the same excuses Mm -hmm. will be in our hearts like they were in yours. Name them for us. Well, they... um there were so many and varied. There's probably not an excuse or fear you have had that I have not already struggled with. So if, if anybody has a new one, I'd love to hear it. Uh, my first and biggest was the excuse of, I don't have time. Right, that would I be don't one have I'd time. use. Who, ha- who has time? I mean, we don't have time to go out and 
become involved in other people's lives. There's no margin for that in our in our homes. Um, so my first excuse was I don't have time, but what it really was was a fear of giving my time to God. Huh. Um, you know, you see it in tithing, if you've ever um, struggled with that or, or had victory in that. And when we hold on to what we think is ours, whether it's time or money or, mm. or gifts or talents, um, God has a way of really squeezing it. Mm. And so what he did with my, my fear of committing my calendar to him was he really did squeeze my time. That eight months was a time of godly discipline. So it really and, channeled your, your thinking and your mm-hmm. heart. It kind of knit that together, didn't it? It did, very much so. Um, I had the the excuse of, well, you know, I'm not spiritual enough. And that was just a fear of exposure, a fear of vulnerability, uh, a fear of people asking hard questions, you know, are there dinosaurs in the Bible? And why is there suffering? And why do children get sick? And it was a fear of being called out and not, not having an answer. Not having all the answers. How did you people? deal with that? I mean, how did that play out practically when you were hit with some things that hmm. maybe you couldn't answer? What did you do? Well, first of all, that's not people's first question to you. Right. <laughs> maybe the <laughs> third or fourth one. It actually doesn't <laughs> really happen that often. So that's the first thing. Like the fears don't actually come to fruition as mm. we as we think they're going to. And secondly, when you start off by with a motive of wanting to know people and care about them and love them and get to know them. When they ask you a hard question, you've got a little bit of a relationship foundation there to to ask why is that important to you and tell me why this is on your heart. And you can ask questions about their questions. Jesus did that very, very well. And you can say, I don't have all the answers. And, and that's okay. Th- that's okay. And these are things mm-hmm. that, that I struggle with and the brightest theologians of our of our time struggle with this. People have struggled with this for all time. But I really care about your your concerns and so can we look into this together? And you can we get together next week and I'll and I'll look and see what people smarter than me have, have to say about this. Yeah. And I so appreciate the um, openness of these fears that you expressed, mm-hmm. um, whether it's the idea that you're not spiritual enough or a practical one, I don't have time. I think um, those that come from our own doubts and maybe even from the enemy of our soul, um, the next one that you mentioned, having a past that you weren't proud of, that sounds like it's coming right from the enemy, you know, oh, putting absolutely. doubt the into your The accuser comes and saying, you know, who do you think you are? How could you be good to yeah. that neighbor because of what you did when you were 17 and 18 or whenever that may or have yesterday. happened? Or yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> or yesterday when they ran over your flowers or, right. or, you know, these are really just light examples. People do have real, real problems with their neighbors. But, yeah, Satan will always try to tell you you're not good enough. And, and here's the truth. We're not. Um, we're not spiritual enough. We don't have all the answers. We don't have time. All of my excuses were legit. And the what I found through reading through the Matthew passage and all the other places where Jesus says, love your neighbor, and Old Testament says, love your neighbor, I have looking for that asterisk. And it's not in the Hebrew or the Greek, you know, the little <laughs> exception clause. There is no exception clause. We We have to rely on Christ's strength, not our own. Um, we have to step out. And this is the real stepping out in faith. It's just to step sure. out of your front porch. You had the experience with one of your neighbors. Uh, whenever they would do their laundry, their soap would bubble up and come down yeah, into this your was, yard. Yeah, that was an interesting <laughs> So We were kind of on a slope, um, and their house was above mine. You know, we were, so we were on a, on a hillside. And one day I was in my laundry room looking out the window, and I noticed this trickle of bubbles running down my yard. And I followed it up, and it was coming from their yard. Now, see, I think that yeah. sounds kind of fun. 
Well, you it was a septic system, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, so was, I just saw the bubbles. Here. Not a good idea. <laughs> Maybe not a good thing. Yeah. In, Don't play in that, kids. Yeah. In, <laughs> okay. In that neighborhood, we had septic and aeration systems, not like city sewer. And right. so everybody had their own system. And so, yeah, who knew what else was lurking, lurking the underneath there? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> And I had no relationship with these neighbors. We had a fence between us. We had trees between us. You know, our houses were back to back. And the only time I'd ever been in their house was before they moved in when it was for sale, when the realtor had an open house and hadn't gone over with the proverbial plate of cookies to say welcome to the neighborhood, hadn't met them at all. Mm. Um, so the first time was when I had to go and, and say, hey, we, we have a little problem in the backyard. And um, that that's hard to approach somebody from the first with a problem. And so that's one of the benefits of getting to know your neighbors is when you do have a problem, you know, you have some, you some have history. something history to fall back on. Yeah. Um, so I knocked on the door and said, hey, we have a problem and um, met Bill for the first time. And he was a very intimidating kind of kind of guy. Um, you don't like my bubbles? Yeah. Well, he just, you know, he wasn't the throw open the door, give me a big yeah, hug, nice in. to meet your neighbor yeah. kind of guy. Um, so that made it even more yeah. difficult. And he, and he came down and he looked at the backyard and he crossed his arms over his chest and he said, well, if that was my yard, I wouldn't like it and I'll take care of it. Uh-huh. And he did. It cost him thousands of dollars to, to, to the, fix that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So became friends with him and his wife. And um, they were such sweet, sweet people. She particularly became a really close friend of mine. And um, just through that initial conversation and them taking care of the, the problem. And we we did a yard sale the same weekend together. Well, she had yeah. great stuff too at her yard sale. I still have some of the little antiques I bought there. <laughs> um, but then our church, it was having, we were having small groups at our home and they encouraged us to invite our neighbors. And I thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to, what am I going to do here? And so I went and invited both of them to our small group in our home. And he did not come, but she did, and got to know her. She was an incredible woman of faith, was praying up a storm in my backyard for four years, and I didn't even know it. Um, but I never would have met her if if I hadn't knocked on her door. And um, we were with her then through her husband's death and um, mm. got to be good friends with that. But what, what really touched me about my relationship with, with Betsy was that I, I said to her one time, I was really surprised when you when you came to our house. And she said to me, well, I was surprised you asked. And there are people who are just waiting to be asked, waiting for someone to notice them, to see them, to care about them. Yeah. Um, there are people who are incredible Christians. They'll become our, our partners in our neighborhood. There are others who don't know God, don't want to know God, um, there are people of all faiths, no faiths, all churches, no churches, um, and they are just waiting to be seen. It's mm, a good statement. You're listening to Focus on the Family. I'm Jim Daly along with John Fuller, and we're talking to Amy Lively about her book, How to Love Your Neighbor Without Being Weird. <laughs> I like that little end. Uh, Amy, I want to ask you because it seems that in our modern culture, that we are moving away from relationship, which at the core, when you look at God's admonitions, his instruction, and even how he is described often, he is about relationship. And he wants us to have relationship for all the positive reasons that hopefully we introduce people to him 
and uh, they accept Christ, and their chaos can be put in place with God's peace, and good things for them will happen. Not easy always, but they'll be in a better place, um, and hopefully with eternity, obviously, that heaven will be theirs because of their embrace of Christ. Why have we lost the art of discipleship, that we only want to talk to the people that think the way we think? Um, why in the Christian community, and, and this is a broad stroke, I get that, but we seem to be fearful or um, not up to the challenge now to meet with people who are different. And I think it hurts and uh, um, causes God pain that we're not willing to engage. When he said, be a friend of sinners, in essence, I'll demonstrate it for you. The Pharisees and the Sadducees accused him of being a friend of sinners and hanging out with the wrong crowd. But he wants us to do that, doesn't he? Yeah, even in the parable of the Good Samaritan, which Jesus blew up the whole definition of neighbor, the Samaritan and the Jew were, were mortal enemies. They they hated one another. And that's where Jesus came in and said, this is where you need to show mercy. Um, so I can't speak for the whole world. I'll answer you for myself as to why I was isolating myself in my in my Sunday school groups, in my small groups, in my Bible studies, in my church services, um, in the Christian school environment. Um, for me personally, the reason I didn't step out and engage with my neighbors was because it was hard and I was lazy. So lazy. That, that was just me. That not, was not just fear. Me. I would think fear would be up there, and maybe it was, but you well, felt... Lazy about overcoming my fear. <laughs> okay. You know? it's, so um, lazy you, captures it all. Yeah, lazy captures it, captures it all. I, w- I was spiritually lazy um, in obeying Christ's number two command. He said it's as, it is as important as loving God. The purpose of our salvation is not only for our eternity, but to share that glory. So our joy may be complete when we share it with other people. Mm. It's not for ours alone. And that's that's what gets weird, you know, when we go to other people or we think we're doing this for for our sake. It's for it's for God's glory right. that we do this. And then, then you have to just trust the results will be his, even mm-hmm. if the door gets slammed in Absolutely. your face. And not yeah. feel that rejection too deeply. We're not responsible for their response. Did you get yeah. one of those or two of those or a handful of those? A very small amount. You'd yeah. be surprised. You'd yeah. be surprised. Um, people are generally delightful and delighted to see you. Um, when I would knock on their door, I would say, hello, my name is Amy. I live right over there. I'm having an open house. I'm inviting all the people in our neighborhood to just come over to share a snack and would love for you to come. I've lived here for X number of years. I think at the time I started, it was seven years. And I don't know very many of my neighbors. I just want to change that. And most of them would say, me too. I don't know my neighbors and I would like to. Because we understand it makes our neighborhood safer. It makes us feel more secure. It's how we solve problems together. It's good for the economy. It even helps people live longer. Yeah. We talked about the loneliness and yeah. how it's killing us, literally. It's so true. And Amy, one of the things, I think God wiring us and knowing how the wiring is in us emotionally, the fact that he said, love your neighbor, I think something takes place when people feel a sincerity coming from a neighbor, mm-hmm. even if you're strangers. Mm-hmm. But it's as if, even if they disagree with you, it's as, as if their heart breaks open and they they're almost compelled to be a friend yeah I mean, it's a beautiful you're, you're, thing you're right it's the very few the small percentage that is going to outright reject what you have to say or you as a person because of what you believe 
And, it is uh, a it very, takes courage. It's a very small number who will slam the door or not accept your, your handshake or your smile. And, and that's a methodology you have. You have the open house. People come. You have snacks together. You laugh together. You might even cry together mm-hmm. if somebody has cancer or, you know, they're facing some difficulty in the family. And that bonds people together. And then what you're aiming for is people to say, hey, I'm going to do a Bible study. Would you like to participate? Something like that. I never hid the fact that I was going to have a Bible study. I didn't want to do like a bait and switch, right. you know, to have them over. Because I've had people do that to, to me, right. you know, invite me over for, for coffee and then show me their vitamin sales, you know. I've <laughs> yeah. had people do that. I know what that feels like. I didn't want to trick people. Um, what I would say is I'm having an open house. Everyone is invited. And we're going to continue to get together uh, after a few weeks. Um, we're going to do a book study, Bible study, depending on, you know, what I was going to be talking about for that season and love for you to come. But if you're not interested, please just come to the open house and meet some neighbors. Um, But you know what? You don't have to do a Bible study. You don't have to. You can continue having open houses. You can have scrapbooking clubs. You can have holiday card making parties. It's building relationships. It's building relationships. And I can give you, I can give you 365 ways to love your neighbor. But those are just touch points. Those are just tools. Those are just ways to create opportunities to have conversations and make connections and start to get to know people and then take it to the next step and then take it a little bit deeper. It happens very slowly, very gradually, very naturally, but it does open the door for those spiritual conversations. But see, it's not a checklist. It's not a, had the holiday party and I'm done. I helped, you know, I sent a check, I'm done. I did the coat drive, I'm done. It's really a lifestyle of relationships. Uh, let me ask you this. The um, folks that I've talked to that have done something similar, uh, just to get the, to know the neighbors around them, what they found over time is that neighbors did not have deep relationships as well. And when difficulty would hit their doorstep in the way of a health issue or something like that, this Christian couple became the go-to couple in the neighborhood where people would either call or they'd be invited in to talk to them. Have you seen that result that you become kind of the go-to couple, the go-to family for your neighbors who are suffering? Yes, and there is no higher honor to be on the short list when when people give you a call, when there's a crisis, um, or when there's a celebration. My challenge was, how would my neighbors know that was me? Um, By the little cross in my in my garden, you know, or the bumper sticker on my van. They don't they don't know that by the um, the religiosity that we show in our in our homes, they know that by the conversations. It's where we should be. Yeah. It's exactly where the Lord would want us mm-hmm. to be, is helping that neighbor in that way. Uh, wow, Amy, this has really gone by quickly. And I hope um, you will take this to heart, every one of us uh, listening today, that this could be come part of what you do as a family. I know for our family, we've looked for these opportunities. I had the blessing of a neighbor come by just the other day and say that um, her husband was struggling. It chokes me up even thinking mm-hmm. about it. But that um, she wanted to know if I'd be willing to come over if he falls mm-hmm. so that I could pick him up because she wasn't strong enough. Wow, isn't that a metaphor? It is. It is such a metaphor. And it is a privilege and an honor to say absolutely Day or night, I don't care what time it is, two in the morning, three in the morning, just call me. Yeah. Mm. And uh, that's what the Lord does for us every day. This parable of the Good Samaritan is happening on our streets right now. There are people fallen on the side of the road, on the road that was between church and home. That's where we live. 
And our calling is the same as Christ said, go and do likewise, show mercy. Yeah, Yeah. show mercy. Wow, this has been good. Amy, thanks for reminding us of one of the core uh, mandates that the Lord has given us to show his mercy, his kindness, his grace, his love through us as, you know, imperfect people, uh, but to do it in a way that honors him and hopefully draws people toward him. You've done a beautiful job in your book, How to Love Your Neighbor Without Being Weird. Uh, Well done. Thank you. And the ways that uh, Amy shared today to reach out to your neighbor are so easy and practical. And you'll find more in her book, as Jim mentioned, How to Love Your Neighbor Without Being Weird. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening. I'm John Fuller. definitely inspired by Amy and her decision to put herself in a vulnerable position in order to reach out to her neighbors. I can completely identify with the fears that Amy spoke of, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. As a society these days, we can be a little closed off from one another and also so busy in our own lives that we neglect the community around us. So, I hope that today's conversation challenged you to take a look at your relationships with your neighbors and to begin to build friendships with those people. I love the title of Amy's book. It's called How to Love Your Neighbor Without Being Weird. And it'll help with practical tips to get to know your neighbors using your God-given personality. Maybe it'll help you to take that first step you've wanted to take for years. Well, you can order your copy when you visit our website at safamily.co.za or call us on 031-716-3300 to order. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Alison Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa, inviting you to tune in next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.